lost it. That um, was golden. So Bernie's voice is a little bit lower today. Hi, Bernie. It is. Hey, Jacob. Um, I, uh, yeah, I was saying, so I, I, I was sick last fall and woke up. Are you familiar with the national? No. What, what? So it's like a band and okay. the guys, like a baritone, the main singer. And so, um, I texted some friends was like, everybody, this is my voice today. It's kind of weird. It's like stuck in this tone. And, uh, somebody was like, okay, you need to record me a national song. And it did. It was really fun. Mm. Um, yeah. And it worked. It was amazing. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, this is COF Podcast. This is a big COF Podcast intro. Here we are. I'm Jacob. I'm Bertie. And uh, we're here to have some fun, to talk about life, and to, to break down this last week's Yep message and i feel like we should start with hot takes man hot takes i will, so i have two things i have a hot take i have a bad hybrid and then i have a, or i guess three things can i do three things real quick okay so L- we need really a new, new segment so we hot take <laughs> a segment and then we got a bad hybrid is bad a, hybrid bad hybrids is a new segment and then just a realization of myself that i'm uh i'm i'm sad about but what, I just what need should to we call that it. like past past uh birdie and past jacob yeah um yeah or just i don't know We'll, we'll come up with a name. Okay. okay <laughs> so, so what, what do you want to start with? I'll start with uh, I'll start with the the realization for myself, and okay. I think it's what well, not. I think I really want to be good at the English language. I'm just really bad at it, and I get made fun of a lot for that. And so I think I'm just realizing that as much as I try to say things correctly or use different words or get better at it, because I did not pay attention in English whenever I was a kid in my language <laughs> arts classes i'm bad at it and it, it makes me sad because i want to be good at it i don't really that's know my what realization you like uh like you don't know grammar or like yeah like well i'm, I'm bad with grammar and i i pronounce things incorrectly oh that's fine um yes yeah, anyway uh, it makes me sad though that's totally fine it, it's one of those things where it's like as long as you have friends around you that <coughs> let you know that you pronounce things the incorrect way so you don't oh, just yeah. keep on well, doing it i have plenty of friends that let me know <laughs> I yeah I mean I don't know if we talked about some podcasts or not but there was one thing where I think I like waited a couple months yeah to let you know the whole uh uh gosh curse of knowledge thing oh yeah yeah just because I kind of wanted to see you continue to do it and I wasn't sure if you were saying it wrong or not yeah it definitely was so so sometimes you have friends that help you and sometimes you have friends that watch you burn um okay that's fair man I I don't resonate with that because I've always just loved grammar and I've been kind of obsessed with it and so I'm the kind of person when people say like even if it's the common thing, I'm the kind of person that's like, oh, like that's medieval, right. like yeah, like medieval, um, or when people are like talking about ancient Egypt or like ancient Greece, but they're really, but they really mean to say it's classic Egypt or classic Greek. I'm just yeah. like or Greece. I'm like that's no, no, not that time period. Like, um, I don't usually say anything, but um, in my mind, I'm correcting them, and judging them. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think everybody's like that. So I, I used to have a really bad habit of like having to be right um, and was in some toxic relationships with uh, girls who were also like that. And we would just like, yeah, I'm right. Oh, I'm right. And we would Google it. Yeah. Um, my wife has taught me a ton. Cause she's amazing about um, just letting people, you know, <laughs> letting people be and not having to correct people and letting people teach you things, even if you already know it, not stopping like, oh, I already know that. Um, cause it doesn't do any good to no. No, it doesn't. be like, Hey, well, I already knew that. So thanks. Just yeah. Appreciate let it. people 
feel good about it and don't be rude. Yeah. So, okay. Now you have a, a bad hybrid. A bad hybrid. I'll do that real quick. The bad, bad hybrid. I sent this to you the other day because I was just thinking about it and someone mentioned it, but a casserole. It's like a bad cake and then a bad food. I don't know. I don't like any kind of mm. casserole. I remember you texted me that I didn't I didn't fully get it, but now that you say cake, it makes sense. Yeah, I think of it like a cake, but then I also think it like a I don't know. I just Yeah. Are you like a food make like do you mix your foods? Yeah. Like when you get a burrito bowl at Chipotle, do you mix it all up before you eat it? Yeah. See, I shake it up. I don't do that. Yeah. But I like I like things like, you know, like shepherd's pie or like, you know, last night I had steak and mashed potatoes and I'm like every bite of steak I want some mashed potatoes. But I'm definitely not like a mix it all up. Yeah. So, uh, that's what I think about casseroles. Okay, so the actual the actual <laughs> the actual segment that We're at the, the hot take now. The, the hot take we made it. Uh my hot take is that deodorant is overrated. That's disgusting, man. <laughs> I haven't put deodorant on in years. No. What? I'm, I'm not kidding. Yeah. You are what? No. And so I had a friend that told me one time in college that oh my if you of course in college. So it's where you get the best wisdom from. If you stop wearing deodorant, your armpits stop stinking. That's there's no way that's true. Okay. Well then I'll have a follow up question. Have you ever complained or smelled me and you're like man you need to put deodorant no on. i haven't that's so, fair i haven't been that close to you because covid but that, that, yeah that's true um well i don't know if overrated. i've ever given you a hug before <laughs> i don't think um, we ever ever hug. you know i don't have time to look this up i'm 1000 percent sure because i just read this the other day that there is something in our employee handbook about uh hygiene and cleanliness <laughs> i don't think deodorant specifically mentioned but um it probably needs to be you know i just got um, some people on the creative team really making fun of me for not shampooing my hair. I just, I haven't shampooed my hair since like high school maybe. Yeah. Um, and you know, this is a relatively like common knowledge thing to where like, if you don't, it stinks for like a few weeks, you know, it's greasy. And then like you stop needing it. Um, cause it's bad for your hair or whatever. And so I don't shampoo my hair and my hair is great. And people are like, Oh my gosh, it's disgusting. Blah, blah, blah. And a birdie's over here not even wearing <laughs> deodorant. Yeah, man. I, see, I can't because if I go one day without deodorant, I smell myself. I'm just like, this is disgusting. Yeah, you know, it was it was rough for a couple weeks when I made the transition. Uh, when did no you deodorant. make the transition? Uh, four years ago. I was already married. Oh Katie loved it. I, 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 <laughs> this is crazy. I'm going to have to do some research to see oh, no, I just, if this I works for everybody. It, it, uh, it's, it's been good luck. Now, I, I will say, if I'm out like playing a sport or sweating a lot i might put deodorant on in that instance but i most of the time would just shower and then and then not put but just like on. going to work wearing a jacket maybe heaters on armpits are sweating a little bit like they're not going to smell no I, I mean i don't smell them maybe i'm used to it at this point That's but no one's complained crazy. to me about it so well i'm uh, i think it's overrated i don't think you need deodorant i'm not you know what i'm i'm, I'm gonna have an open mind about it <laughs> i'm very shocked um this is a very very hot take Everybody, um, Birdie Nuts, the uh, associate pastor here, uh, does not wear deodorant, um, so watch out. Be on the lookout. Avoid uh, avoid smelling his armpits. Um, wow. Dang. I feel like I can't. I don't know how to move on from this, Birdie. Um, well, wow. Well, hot take, man. Here's my hot take. Um, my hot take is that we are going to be, in our lifetime, driving automated cars. And uh, so the car's driving us, the car's driving us. Ooh. I am so convinced of this because my wife and I just bought a, a car for her to drive around uh, on Carvana. I love Carvana. And uh, it's like a, I don't know, a Hyundai Santa Fe. 
and it has this thing called lane assist. Hmm. And as soon as it identifies the stripes of the lane, it like turns on and it drives for you. It doesn't, it doesn't like use GPS or anything, but like all of the subtle turns, like on 290, like it can take turns. Oh, wow. And so you could just let go of the steering wheel. I didn't know this was a thing. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of cars that have this, <coughs> but I've never experienced it. And I'm just like hands up, you know, I can look down at my phone and it's just like. I feel like it's probably still not recommended to oh, completely no, disengage. No, it only lets you do it for like a minute and then oh, okay. it like starts beeping at you saying hands not detected on steering wheel, you know, and no, then it's, it's turning like, hey, lane assist off. So it's like. Hey, we're helping you, but we're not doing everything Yeah, there you. is like this like limiting factor where it's like, yeah, we're not going to let you just put on cruise control because that's what you can do is you can just yeah. put on cruise control and it drives for you for a minute and then you touch the steering wheel and you can do it again. Um, but I was amazed at how good it works. It's not just like, I thought it was just going to beep if you like straight out of the lane and it does do that. But I was like, okay, this is working. They got the cars that can parallel park themselves, mm-hmm. uh, that can brake assist. And I'm just like, this is where we're headed because so many people are injured and um, we, we lose so many people every year to car accidents. It's, yeah. like, it's like one of the number one accidental killers. And I think we'll look back on our society almost like we look back on things like, yeah, we used to play with mercury from, you know, <laughs> yeah. thermometers and like doctors used to carry radioactive like radon and stuff around in their pockets and mm-hmm. like we we did all these things because we didn't know better i think we'll look back and be like we used to let 16 year olds drive these you know two-ton metal killing machines around yeah. um you know fully operated by the human and it was a disaster and we like people just died all the time because of it and were injured yeah. and like yeah you know crazy stuff i think we'll look back on it on the side and be like wow th- thankfully we 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 yep grew out of that of course that drive us I, I do wonder though man if there was a malfunction and like let's just say it was a fender bender whose fault is it yeah. if we're not operating the car is it the manufacturer's fault like who i'm sure you sign like it's your fault because you chose to you're still the responsible party i couldn't at think that of point. an example of something that's automated that went wrong um and who's at fault uh, what's that what's that is it a paradox what the self-driving car, the the like, well, it it could go this way and it hurts you, the driver, or it could go this way and it hurts four people. What decision does the car make? One has yeah, to happen. Yeah, it's kind of like the train switch paradox. Yeah, or the yeah, I, uh, I don't know if it's a paradox or if, uh, it's a thought experiment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder where, because you have to program it. I mean, I'm sure to the car. Does it protect the individual or does it protect? Yeah, I wonder what would people, happen if you, you put know? the car in an impossible situation where it's like, it's gotta swerve because it's gonna you know it to avoid hitting a car or like yeah. it's a camp break in time or whatever and then you surrounded it with like a bunch of you know dummies obviously of puppies and um <laughs> it's got to decide yeah you know like maybe there was a bunch of puppies and then one kitten or cat sorry i'm not gonna say kitten one cat it's like it goes for the cat like i'm sure they have to program like <laughs> yeah. the least amount of damage possible sorry mm-hmm. i'm joking i cats are fine except for my neighbor cat yeah, but like, I, if you put it in an impossible situation, what is it going to yeah. do? I wonder if uh, surely. I, w- I wonder if coming up with the solution of that, if you just kind of dodge the question and you say, "Well, let's just the car will do what's going to do the least damage to it." But even then, like, I, I, I don't know. That I, sounds like the worst case, though, because then the robots are taking over. You yeah. know, I don't know, but I, I have been super impressed with the technology, and yep. you know, I think it could be. It could be really cool. I like really that. Good. I think, also, I think that's a hot take. I... Traffic won't be a thing anymore. Yeah. Because think Ooh, about how like yeah. a train starts. 
everything's connected. And as soon as the first car starts going, pretty much, I know there's a little bit of lag time, but the whole train moves at once. Well, with cars, you have like one car going and then a second later, the next car goes and then a second later, the next car goes. Um, But if if the cars could stop and start, you know, and keep the same distance between each other, I think traffic won't be nearly as bad. Yeah. So what we're saying is a hot take because. Well, because I, I mean, I, I don't think we'll have all fully automated cars in our lifetime. Maybe we'll. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested. I want it. How soon thereafter do we have hover cars? I don't know, man. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm probably not ever going to see that, though, especially if I don't think I'll see regular automated cars. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope so. So, uh, I mean, a hover car, I think, would be fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into the message a little bit. Yeah. The uh, this weekend we we kicked off a series called Comeback Season. Wes was uh, was teaching to us. He's teaching this coming up week as well. Um, really cool, man. Really really awesome kind of story comeback story of of this guy that that we get to just read about. And it's like I don't know. I feel like it's it's just one of those stories that's so well packaged yeah. and so true to this day that it just I don't know. It just resonates and. In a really cool way, um, kind of the whole point of this series is is how can we turn what look like setbacks and how can we turn real setbacks into comebacks, you know, um, yeah. when things look impossible, um, when... When it's self-inflicted. Yeah, when the setback self-inflicted is kind of what we're talking about this week in yeah. the case of Manasseh. And so um, is this kind of in your, in your like, historical era of expertise... Um, I don't feel like I'm ex, ex, expert at any of them. Um, no, not not particularly. I, I don't I don't know as much about this 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 time frame. But one, I mean, there's a lot of really cool, kind of subtle, hidden parallels between Hezekiah and Manasseh, and just the ways they experience things. One thing that stands out significantly is you see in the chapter before. Uh, so so we are in chapter 33 walking through Manasseh's life. But in chapter 32, you see Hezekiah, um, I mean, great king doing these great things, but he, uh, there, there's, there's a point where you can see some pride is creeping in a little bit. Um, and he, uh, he doesn't want to, uh, it says in verse 25, but Hezekiah gave no return for the benefit he received because his heart was proud. Therefore wrath came on him, uh, and on Judah and Jerusalem, uh, in Jerusalem. And so, I say that say you see what happens in verse twenty four is Hezekiah became mortally ill and he prayed to the Lord and the Lord spoke to him and gave him a sign and then verse twenty six however Hezekiah humbled the pride of his heart fast forward one chapter you see what Hezekiah experienced in this physical sense Manasseh experiences in this uh, emotional sense this spiritual sense. In verse 12, when it says he was distressed, he entreated or he appeased. I think that's the word that Wes used. Mm-hmm. He became ill. He, it's, the, it's the same exact word as in chapter 20, uh, 20 or 32, where it says he became mortally ill. The exact same word is used to describe what Manasseh is experiencing in his appeasement to God. And, uh, and then he humbles himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and then God uh, acts. And so I think what's really cool, you see, against this theme uh, with, with, with these people that, um, God keeps coming, uh, for him. He's consistent, you know, uh, yeah. and when they humble themselves, God, uh, uh, acts in their lives, he moves, um, and, and he hears them. And so I just think it's a really, there's a, there's a lot of really cool tie-ins here. That's the one that stood out the most to me of, you see that even though Manasseh's early life 
was so different than how Hezekiah lived his life, uh, they still experienced something similar and God uh, responds to them in the same way. And I think it's really cool. Um, yeah. So Hezekiah for, for anybody is uh, Manasseh's father. And uh, what I saw when I was reading some more on this, that, I mean, I saw a bunch of stuff that stood out to me. This was like pretty cool. Um, that Manasseh, or excuse me, Hezekiah had asked God for, for 15 more years um, of life. And since Manasseh was 12 years old when he came to reign, um, pretty clear evidence of me that Manasseh was born and conceived during those last 15 years that Hezekiah asked for. Mm. And I wonder if Hezekiah knew the pain and destruction that Manasseh caused, like would if he would he have wanted to to father a son? Hmm. Um I don't want to take God's plan out of it, but yeah, here we have this crazy chaotic situation where Manasseh is has this kind of reign of terror for like half a century. Yeah, it is a long time. Um and he's murdering his own kids and leading all of his people just away from God and actually not just leading them away, like pointing them to things that are causing destruction. And um, just to kind of quick, I guess, go ahead and finish the story. He gets taken away by the Assyrians. God allows this to happen, which must have been this humiliating situation, you know, for a king to be a prisoner, you know? Yeah. Um, but then, as you said, Bertie, he, he is at his rock bottom, probably in a, in a dungeon somewhere. And he appeals to God. Uh, it says he humbles himself greatly mm-hmm. and God hears him. And so letting go of that pride, um, God completely restores him, you know, to, yeah. to even his kingship. Like he goes back to Judah <coughs> and he's the king. Wes and I talked a bit about um, yesterday about how probably felt weird for the people who like kind of never followed Manasseh who were who probably still following the Lord in Judah when Manasseh came back, you know, yeah. like they were probably praying like, Oh God, please no, like not this guy again. Like it's been a little bit better without him. Um, or maybe they were skeptical kind mm-hmm. of, of his, of his conversion of his, of his complete change. Um, but I thought all that was interesting because yeah, this Manasseh story, it's, it's kind of all of our story at the same time. It's just like, man, I remembered the God of my childhood. I remembered how my dad raised me and I've tried to go my own way for so, so long and I'm exhausted and I'm tired of doing it and I've got nothing left. Um, like God, are you still there? Do you remember me? And God responds immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and one really, really cool tie in that it makes me think of immediately is, uh, Paul's conversion. I mean, yeah. he's like all the people that know Paul, uh, in, in the new Testament, uh, and he, he converts and, uh, comes to know Jesus and everything is different. And you could imagine the people seeing like, wait a minute, weren't you the guy that just was all against this? Yeah. And I could see some people seeing similarly with Manasseh, like, wait a minute. I don't know about this. I think what's cool about it is there's no too far gone that God's not going to grab hold of you. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, when you humble yourself, um, before him, he, he'll, he'll pull you in no matter what has happened. You know, even, even if you have all of these self-inflicted wounds, uh, 
you're not too far gone. Yeah, I think that's that's one of my biggest takeaways about this whole story is I shared this this Spurgeon quote when Wes and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, and it's this whole, I mean, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it's like, oh, I do not wonder about the sin of Manasseh half as much as I wonder about the mercy of God. Hmm. And it's this idea that like the hero of the story, it's not Manasseh doing this, this massive life change moment. It's not the, the craziest part of the story isn't the wild stuff that he did, you know, including infanticide. Um, the crazy, wild, scandalous part of the story is that we have a God who's so merciful yeah. to forgive all of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's the scandal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and, that, we, and that's the part we forget. We're like, oh, Manasseh, he's awesome. You know, he, like, he, he ch- turned it around. He, he, he made a change, you know, and like the hero of the entire entirety of the books of the Bible is not any human, any man other than Jesus, who's God, you know. Uh, and I think it's, it's kind of our MO, right? Like we want to put ourselves in the center and we can see ourselves as Manasseh cause we've done w- w- whatever it is in our lives. Some, some yeah. difficult things, some things we're ashamed of, which didn't happen. And like, man, I could turn it around, which is part of the story, but God is the one that's at work and moving, uh, in their hearts and their lives, you know, and he's the hero. So it's cool. Cause, uh, in the same book, when God is kind of establishing this line of Kings, um, so this is Second Chronicles, all this. When we said chapter 33 this is Second Chronicles, um, he makes this promise to uh, Solomon, who is Manasseh's great, 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 great grandfather. Um, he's, he's, yeah, right, he's, he's one of Manasseh's ancestors. <laughs> he's, he's somewhere. I'm losing count in my mind. Like, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and uh, he says this, this is uh, Second Chronicles 7. Um when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the lands or send a plague among my people. So when I'm turning my back on you guys, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wickedness. So exactly what Manasseh does in prison, exactly what Hezekiah did. Yeah. Then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. Now my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to the prayers. Um, and I just, it's this, it's like we see it played out in the same book. It's like this, uh, yeah, if you're going to humble yourself and pray, I'm going to hear you yeah. and I'm going to forgive your sin. And, uh, man, I think, uh, there's a couple of things that Manasseh does when he gets back that, um, really, really can apply to us. And so, um, like Wes kind of framed it this way, like remember is kind of the step one that he does. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he remembers that, that God is real, that God yep. is for him. And maybe he remembers this promise that God made to Solomon. Like if I humble myself and pray, like you're going to hear me. Yep. Um, and he repents of, of everything that he did. And you can read all about that at the, the first part of the, the of chapter 33. Um, and so then it's time to, to rebuild, right? It's time to, yep. Like I, I've gotten my, my act together. I've got my act straight. Um, now what? And so kind of looking towards the middle of the chapter, verse 15 or so, um, if you have it pulled up, you wouldn't mind just reading. Yeah. Yeah. I'll read it. Kind of, uh, maybe earlier than that. Um, starting verse 14, maybe. Yeah. So now after this, he built the outer wall of the city of David on the West side of the Gihon 
in the valley, even in the entrance of the fish gate, and he encircled the Ophel with it and made it very high. Then he put an army commander in all the fortified cities of Judah. He also removed the foreign gods from the idols from the house of the Lord, as well as all the altars which he had built on the mountain of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem, and he threw them outside the city. Verse 16, he set up the altar of the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it. And he ordered Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Uh, Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed in the high places, although only to the Lord, their God. Yeah. And so like we see him completely undoing like every single one of these things that he removed um, is mentioned in like verses what, like uh, six, um, all the same stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like this complete removal before he does that. He like rebuilds the walls, right? It's like. I'm going to protect my people from these foreign influences because that's kind of how this all started, you know, in the first place. And so it's this idea that we need to set up walls in our life um, to kind of defend ourselves against stuff that's going to influence us negatively. And sometimes they're good good, things, you know. That's a good point. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that is for for any listeners, but, you know, uh, for me, it's it's, uh, some of the friends I have in my life. Um, It's some of the stuff that... You know, I find myself watching on TV um, or my like with my wife. We're just kind of like, hey, this is this is not influencing us well. And we can feel it. You know, it's the music we listen to. And, yeah. and some of these things are kind of more spiritual. I'm not trying to over spiritualize music or or movies and, and speak into stuff that's not really there. Um, but those are really emotional mediums. I mean, it's why we, we still we worship through music because music's emotional. And so I think there's a connection with our, with our soul, with our spirit, um, kind of more so than we realize. And I think it can really weigh on us over time. Um, but yeah, all kinds of influences. Um, are they positive? Are they negative? Can you live without them? Um, but I think there are some things that we do need to build up walls to protect ourselves against that are influencing us just like Manasseh did. So he comes back, the first thing he does is he says, hey, we are going to defend ourselves from these foreign influences that led to half century of chaos. Um, and he was the first one to do it. And so I love that, that it's like, okay, now I'm a good king and I'm going to defend my people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great point. That's something um, I, th- I think can, can be easily, easily missed to, to build up, build up those walls. And I, I do this all the time. It's like, well, I'm, I'm fine. You know, like it, this, this isn't that bad. This, this music, that show, you know, it's just, it's art and I want to enjoy it, you know? And again, it's not just about, uh, removing absolutely everything that you have some sort of fun in. It's it just ask yourself, what, how is this affecting me? Be real with it. And if you if you feel this sense of like, well, should I, should I do this? Should I not? Well, the answer is probably you shouldn't, you know, just, just for yourself. Like, is it worth it? Uh, what, what is it worth to you to watch that, see that, be a part of that, be around those people? Yeah. Uh, and it's different for all of us. It's something that's, that's really hard to think through. But I, I do think oftentimes when we ask the question, well, should I, should I do this? Should I not? I mean, most likely, uh, in those scenarios, it's, well, it's, it's probably not, not healthy for you. Yeah. Um, and then we see the second thing that he does is he starts to remove 
those the things that are already rotting the city, right? The yeah. things that he set up, um, but they were the, ultimately the sources of the chaos and the destruction. Um, you see, he removed the foreign gods. This is verse 15. Now removed the images from the temple, um, all the altars that he had built uh, on the temple and all around the city. He threw them out of the city, you know? Um, so we got rid of all the junk. Uh, when I was talking to Wes about this, I was like, it's like, he, but he built the walls first, right? So he didn't try to get rid of stuff while there was still, you know, yeah, well, porous wall system. Yeah. Couldn't be defended. Yeah, come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, it's like um, you zip up the tent before you start killing the mosquito, mosquitoes inside the tent, you know? Because yeah. otherwise, like... They're going to keep coming. They're going to keep coming in. Yeah. That's, yeah um, that's, so in that order, build up your defenses, um, protect yourself first, and then remove the rot. Um, just like a gangrene. I mean, this is kind of part of the cycle we see all over the old testament with god's people once they get to the promised land is this like foreign influence um idolatry um just this cycle of sin over and over and over again uh you want to see it on a on a macro scale read the book of judges um but he he removes those things from his life and so for us i mean i i think this is this is kind of obvious and, and well you know well talked about it's just like the, we know that there's stuff in our life that's causing um, destruction and yeah. pain. And yeah. a lot of it is self-inflicted, like Wes was talking a ton about. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to speak into that at all. Yeah. Hey, I mean, it, 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 it definitely is. I think even even progressing into that, um, removing removing those things, that leaves a void. I don't know your next word, but I'm going to guess is it replace um, Re- no, it's not, but I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, cause you, you're going to have a void from those things you removed, uh, naturally. I mean, there's a reason it was in your life bad, albeit, but, uh, you need to replace it. You see, you see that what Manasseh does, he replaces that with the altar of the Lord sacrifices these, these offerings, um, these peace and thank offerings. And so he doesn't just let it stay empty. He fills it with something. Uh, he, he, he fills that time. And so making it a point to, to do that yourself, you know, uh, if, if you do remove something from, from your life that, you know, needs to not be there, how do you uh, replace it with something that is going to be beneficial for you? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you see it in verse, starting verse 16, it's this return to true worship. And so, um, um he, then he restored the altar of the Lord. <laughs> Then he restored the altar. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> Sorry, if I can edit that cough out or not. Yeah, um, my bad. Then he restored the altar of the Lord uh, and sacrificed fellowship offerings and thank offerings on it. And he told all of the all of Judah, all, so all of the country, to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. The people, however, continued to sacrifice the high places, but only to the Lord their God. And so it's this return to worship. It's like let's let's go back to what we know is right. And I think that's this is perfect for us right now. Um, as as Christians, as community of faith, friends and family, like um, it's time, you know, to come back together and worship God together. There's something incredibly powerful about that. And when I say that, I mean like being at church together, singing to God together, learning sure. the same stuff on the weekend together, being in home teams, talking about this stuff together. Um, and, you know, it's, I think we have so many excuses like Manasseh probably had. It's like, I'm too far gone you know, maybe, maybe there's a hurt, maybe there's a wound that needs to heal and it's going to take time. Like 
and, and this is why I love verse 17, because the first time I read it, I was like, oh, that's cool. The people continue to, to sacrifice the high places, but only to Lord their God. It's like this, you know, wow, everything's right. And then looking at it more, there's this however there, there's this like nevertheless kind of conjunction. And it's, it's like, it's this bad thing. And so I looked into it more and it's like, they weren't supposed to sacrifice at the high places to God. It was like this unauthorized worship. God had asked them to worship him in a specific way at a specific place Hmm. and they weren't doing it. And so they were out of practice basically. And it it wasn't necessarily this, this terribly bad thing. They just kind of weren't doing it right because they weren't used to doing it. It's been 50 years. And so I think that informs us too. Like, man, like outside of the, the, the wound and the, the destruction that you need to get away from and start repenting of and start humbling yourself about, like you might be coming back to church and, and feel a little awkward about it because you're out of practice. You might, you might start praying again and you're like, I don't remember how to do this. Um, you might feel uncomfortable because you, you get to church. You're like, I don't know any of these songs. because I haven't been here for so long or I, I'm going to be embarrassed about, I don't really know where to go anymore. I don't really recognize all the people, you know, anymore. Like, I don't remember where my, to send my kids. And like, none of those excuses hold any water because we want so badly to come back together. We want you to be a part of this again. And so, um, don't let any of that keep you from, from coming back. This is the season to come back. This is the comeback season. It's part mm-hmm. of the reason why we titled this series that, yep. um, and so man, let this verse 17 be an example of like, man, it's okay. Like we're, we're not going to get it right on the first try or the 500th try. Um, but we're taking baby steps towards the Lord and we're doing it together. And I, I just think it's so mm, cool and so that's powerful. Good. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, with Manasseh, I mean, you could you're not, if you're listening, you're like, well, I don't know if, I don't know if I can, you know, I don't know if I can commit to that, if I can, if I can walk in there. Um, I mean, you're not too far gone. You haven't, you haven't done too much that God won't take you in. And we, we want to be a community together, uh, that meets each other right where we are, you know, and come back to church, make it here. Um, bring people along the journey. You know, you have, have people in your life. I'm sure you can think of that. Don't haven't experienced this. Maybe they're, they're going through a really difficult season, you know, and you got to be the, the, uh, the light for them. It's like we yeah. talked about in our last series. And so, so come back and bring them back. Yeah. And as we, um, are rebuilding, you know, like Manasseh, let's remember those things that the kind of the steps it's the, it's the, it's the zip up the tent, rebuild the walls, yeah. then remove the rot, you know, get rid of all the mosquitoes. Um, and, and then come back to worship. You know, it's yeah. this, it's this responding to what God has done for us and, and living for him. And so, uh, this is kind of a side note, a little extra. This is for free. Um, if you read it to the end of the chapter, it kind of talks about this prayer that Manasseh had and how it was written down in in the, the the annals of, of somewhere, you know, the annals of the Kings of Israel. Um, we don't have that in the Bible. And I was like, man, what? Like, it's like the Bible talks about this prayer that gets written down and it's this prayer that, that moved God. Like, like, wow. Like that's, crazy it's probably the prayer he prayed when he was over in babylon in captivity and um it does exist it's non-canonical it's not um necessarily it's not considered part of the bible but um it exists in what's called the syriac text and you can find it on bible gateway if you google it (laughs) why'd you say it like that (laughs) i don't know um and so 
yeah, basically, like, I, I think it's amazing. Um, it's beautiful. And so I, I think it's a, it's a prayer that I prayed the other day. And so, um, this, this, it's full of penitence and, and worship and, you know, confession. And so, um, it was, it was useful for me. It was, it was holistic for me. And so, um, I would encourage you to, to go read that, um, or just keep reading through this chapter. Cause this, it, it's, it's crazy how, um, going from Hezekiah and his faithfulness and how we have, you know, Amon right after Manasseh just being a terrible dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, there's a good, uh, a good King in there, Jehoiakim. Uh, I think that's Manasseh's grandson, but then we, uh, or not Jehoiakim, um, Josiah, but then we get to Jehoiakim ult- ultimately. And it's like the kingdom's done. Like Judah's done because of it. And like, these guys have, have really screwed things up. And yet, yeah, the big yet is that these guys are all related to Jesus. Like this is the line mm. where we ultimately get full restoration um, and, yeah. and full healing. And, and God is going to make everything new and right in the world through the offspring of, of this craziness, this chaos um, and, and this, this sin and ultimately, I think that God restoring Manasseh is just a little hint, a little wink at the promise that was to come through Manasseh's offspring. And so I just think that's beautiful because I'm in an Enneagram 4. But um, <laughs> we're going to wrap this up. We love you guys. Um, yep. Reach out to us if you have any questions. We really, really, really want to see you um, on campus if you can. Baby, come back. Ooh, no? Yeah? A little song okay. from Birdie. Um, you know, you, everyone saw me up there on Good Friday playing uh, playing the cello, aka the bass, <laughs> um, and well, singing. You know, we love you, community faith, and uh, see you soon. Bye. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Community Faith podcast. The views, opinions, and beliefs expressed by the individuals on this show do not necessarily represent those of Community of Faith or its founding pastors. For more information about Community of Faith, check out our website, cof.church.